series, uh, the Jesus Creed. And we, um, we uh, Kirsten was right. We had our, our staff meeting this last week. Uh, we did it as a staff. We quizzed them and said, all right, we're memorizing this too. We practice what we preach. We're doing this. We're taking this to heart because we really do. We really do believe that this, like this has the power to change us. And this really was a, a, a focus and importance for Jesus. So it, it should be important for us. And, uh, and they did goodish. They did good. They did they did, uh, you know, fair. Um, I think everyone's got the first part down. It's the second part that trips you up, right? Because you're like, oh man, I got the first part that I can, you know, love Lord your God. And all okay, wonderful. And and the second is like, all oh, right. So um, if I if my memory serves me correctly, we've we've done this what three or four times, um, and we have we haven't gotten it once. So. This morning is our attempt to say, let's nail this. So we're going to quiz about the Jesus Creed and say, all right, as we're, as we're taking this to heart, we're practicing memorizing this so that we can, we can inter- internalize it and, and take it to heart and, and be able to, to recall it whenever we need to. Here we go. Okay, so here's the blanks. Uh, if it's easier to not use the blanks, just don't even look at them. Sometimes it, uh, the blanks kind of throw me off. Um, and uh, you can just, kinda, if you got it memorized, you can just go for it. So here we go. Ready? Here. Are you serious? Well, you just nailed it. Well done. Well done. I have to also confess something. I have to ask for forgiveness from all of you. Last service, I might have talked about you. (laughs) I told them they were pretty close to nailing it. I said, hey, you guys, even though you didn't get it perfectly, you got it better than the second service. Second service, I think they've added like three or four extra commandments. They just keep... (laughs) We just kept on talking right through it. I got to ask for your forgiveness. You nailed it, and I am super impressed. And next week, I'm going to tell them they lost. <laughs> and, then, and then you guys did. That was great. So we're talking about the Jesus Creed, and we're really, we really are like memorizing this, not to get a sticker, not to be like, oh, I got another verse, but really because we want to be able to say this really is important. And, and it's something that I can think about and remind myself of daily. So we're going to jump into the Jesus Creed again this morning because we have more to talk about. It's all over the place. And, and, um, and we see that, that, uh, that for Jesus, that the Jesus Creed is spiritual, what we could call spiritual formation or, or maturity in your faith as a believer. And, and so what he's talking about is two things. There's two focuses. There's a vertical focus of focusing on loving God with all that you are, right? All that you are. And then there's a horizontal focus where you're loving kind of your neighbor as yourself. And, and it's a, a focus on the Lord. God, I love you with everything that I am. And then a focus on those next to you and kind of like, like to your left and your right. And what do you know? It makes a cross, right? Like both of these make a cross. And the Jesus Creed is that spot right in the middle where they meet. And Jesus says that. That is where you should be living. That is what it means to be a follower. That's what I'm asking. That's what I want. That's the, the greatest commandment. The thing that, he says, the thing that, that summarizes this whole thing, that all the law and the prophets, all of it, all of it falls on that one intersection of loving God and loving others. That it is the most important 
of all the commands of God, these are the thing that all of it hang on this Jesus creed. So we see this. The Jesus creed was Jesus' motivation for everything he did. So we're going to talk now about specifically uh, two, two kind of circumstances, two instances where Jesus is going to bring about the Jesus creed in kind of a, 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 a like a, when you're looking for it, you see it. It's not as obvious, but when you, when you recognize the Jesus creed and you start reading with the, kind of the lens of the Jesus creed, things just pop out at you. And, and, and by now, I hope you realize that Jesus creed is, it really is woven throughout the ministry of Jesus. It isn't just a, well, he said it one time and moved on. That this, this comes up over and over, and it's almost on every single page in the Gospels. And what we'll see even next week as we, as we continue our final week on the Jesus Creed, we'll see that, that not only was it a priority for him, but it was a priority for his followers. And, and, and the guys that wrote the scriptures, like the letters, like Paul and Peter and John, guess what they also quote? The Jesus Creed. It shows up in their letters. It's all over the place. The Jesus Creed is woven all throughout this. And, and when you begin to, to look for it, you realize it's everywhere. It's kind of like, um, like when you get a new car. Uh, it, it, like, I don't know the last time you got a new car, whether it's new or used, whatever, but it's new to you. You get a new vehicle and you're like, man, this is my car and I've been wanting this or saving up for it. Or this is the one I've been, I've been waiting for. I picked out, I love this car, this model, this make, this color, whatever, and you get it. You do all the stuff, whether it's on the dealer or private or whatever, you get it used, and you get your car, and you're like, I got my car. In fact, I don't know if you guys know this, they made this car for me. This is my car. It's unique to me. No one else has this make, model, color. This is my car. They made it for me. And then you start driving around, and within, within days, you realize tons of people have your car. What are they doing driving my car, right? Like, and and how, can they, how can they all go get the same car at the same time as me? How can they do that, right? There's not, enough, there's not enough cars. Because you realize, man, all of these cars are already out there. It's not like everyone got a new car now to match yours. You just simply now recognize the car. It's your car. And you realize and see it everywhere. My kids will do this. I'm driving in my truck. I love my truck. It's, it's my truck. They made it for me. Thank you, Chevy, for making my truck. And, and they gave it to me. After I gave them some money, then they gave it to me. Um, and, and here's the thing. My kids will be, will be driving around, and they are on the lookout. And they'll see, Dad, there's your truck. And I love to call it my, like everyone who has a gray Silverado, that's my truck. By the way, if you're driving one, thanks for driving my truck. Dad, that's your truck. Dad, there's your truck over there. And they're doing it. They see it, right? Same with my wife's car. We're driving around. Hey, mom, there's your car. And, and it, it's, it isn't because those are all new on the street. When you, when you become familiar with it, you begin seeing it everywhere. Now listen, the Jesus creed is that. It's your new car. And when you become familiar with it and you read the scriptures, there it is again. There it is again. I recognize it yet again. I didn't even know it was there before. I've had, this has happened a number of times in this series that a number of you have, have come to me and said, hey, we were reading this study or we're in our small group and this came up. I didn't realize. I did not realize that the Jesus Creed shows up there or that, that Paul quotes it here or that, or that the, even the Good Samaritan was in response to the Jesus Creed. It just sort of just pops off the page. And because for Jesus, this really was a motivation for everything he did. 
We see the Jesus Creed is on Jesus' mind at the beginning of his ministry and at the end. And we're going to look at this morning kind of the bookends of the Jesus Creed according to Jesus and why it's so important. And, and it shows up in both spots, literally right when he's beginning ministry and then right up till the end. So here's what we see. We'll start this morning at the end, kind of work our way backwards. Jesus ends his teaching ministry with loving others. He's going to end everything, all of his, like his, his time on earth, his ministry, to his final sermon, and it's about loving others. This, this kind of final sermon message teaching is really a three-hour experience, and it comes at the end of his ministry, and it's, it's the night before he's going to be betrayed and killed, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an event we often refer to as the Last Supper. It's Jesus' final teaching before the cross, this three-hour sermon that he has with just his disciples, and, and in, the, in the, what are called the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, um, they often re- like write about kind of the same stories, and they mention, they, they, uh, they talk about the Last Supper, but they only give it a, a few verses. John, John recognizes and makes this a priority of his gospel. And what we have in his gospel isn't just that they had this Last Supper. We have the actual teachings of Jesus. Now, here's what's incredible. This, this, is a, this clearly is a priority for John. In John's gospel, the gospel of John, the Last Supper begins in John chapter 13. And it goes through John chapter 17. So that's five chapters, right? 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. That's how math works. So, so there's five chapters. He's writing five chapters just about what Jesus talks about and the experience that they have at the Last Supper. His entire gospel is 21 chapters. So nearly a quarter of his gospel is about this one setting nearly a fourth of it is just about what jesus taught at the last supper this was a priority for john and 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 we even see this show up in his letters Um, first john second john third john the same theme that he's going to bring up here that jesus talked about he talks about again here's what he says in john chapter 13 verse 34 this is right before jesus is going to rebuke peter or, or uh, let peter know that he's going to um, that he's going to uh, betray and and uh, deny jesus three times and the whole like before the the, the rooster and you're going to deny three times like no may it never be like before that whole experience jesus says this a new command i give you it's just him and the disciples love one another sit as i have loved you so you must love one another by this they will know that you are my disciples here's how they'll know ready if you love one another jesus at the end he's got his final time with his disciples and he kicks it off with talking about hey here's what i want you to do ready i want you to love your neighbor as yourself i want you to love one another this is the command listen i'm i'm on my way out they don't know this yet they don't know he's gonna die they don't know that this is their last meal together he knows but they don't and so they're hearing this. They're going, okay, we know this. Like, you've talked about this a lot. And he's saying, listen, this is what I want. Ready? This is, as I leave, I want you to be thinking about loving one another. As I've loved you, here's how you, they'll know. Here's how they'll recognize you. If you do this, if you 
love one another and i know it's going to be messy and people will persecute you and ridicule you and judge you and condemn you and hate you because of your style of love and how you do it and and even who you love will be offensive to people but listen here's what i'm asking you to do love one another just as i have just as i've illustrated and shown you how to love You'll be judged and persecuted. Yet for those who experience it, those who actually get like receive on the receiving end of the love, they'll cherish it and they'll thank you and they'll worship God because of you, that you have the ability to change people's eternities based on how you love them. That's a high calling. It's a high bar. That's the... That is the Jesus creed and the, and the value and the importance of the Jesus creed. And then he institutes a new ritual. And, and this would have been familiar to them because they're doing Passover and there's various, a whole Passover meal has various parts to it. But he's going to change the Passover. He's gonna, he's gonna amend it like he has so many other things. And he amends it into what we call communion. We're gonna experience communion together later in this service and jesus this first communion here's what he does he he breaks bread but as they're starting this entire meal this three-hour time together he breaks bread and says all right this is my body given for you they don't know what that means they have no idea what do you mean your body they don't know he's going to die tomorrow they have no idea he's going to be crucified this is my body it's given for you and then at the end, we're told he gets this cup and he fills it with wine and says, all right, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And he institutes this experience that, is, that becomes a ritual that Christians have done, billions of Christians have done now for thousands of years. What happens at this last supper that begins with Jesus talking about loving others he's at the end this is his last full sermon before he's crucified and he starts it by saying i want you to love others i want you to practice and to be experts at loving others that's how they'll know that's how they'll know that you're my disciples notice what he doesn't say he doesn't say your great theology is how people will know you're my follower." Your correct understanding of end times is how they'll know you're my follower. Your particular ability to call out everyone else's sins, as good as you are at that, that is not how they know you are a follower. Here's how they'll recognize that you're a follower of Jesus, he says, by your love, how you love them. Ooh. Jesus ends his ministry talking and teaching about loving others. What do you know? Wouldn't you know it? Jesus then, moving to the beginning of his ministry, he begins his teaching ministry with loving God. He ends with, here's what I want you to do. I want you to love others. And he starts, he starts everything off with particular how you love God. This happens in another experience that we maybe are, are certainly are aware of before jesus enters into public ministry he spends time in what's called the wilderness he's going to spend 40 days in this wilderness experience and this isn't like like when you think of wilderness like this isn't like a a wilderness retreat where you go you know what sounds fun you know spring break it's spring break 
We're going to do a wilderness retreat. Yeah, you want to join in? Yeah, we got a guy, and we're going to go out in the wilderness, and we're going to, you know, let them do everything, but we're going to sit and enjoy it. (laughs) We're going to do a wilderness. This is not a wilderness retreat. This is the wilderness. Here's a, a video I shot when, uh, when I was in Israel. You, can, you know, when we go to Israel this next year, um, you'll be able to see this and experience. W- when they say wilderness, they mean desert. This is the wilderness. Miles and miles and miles of, of desolate land. Nothing. This is the, this is the, the hills between uh, Jer- uh, Jerusalem and Jericho. This is the, this is the wilderness. So Jesus is, is led out into the wilderness for, for 40 days. And this is it. And I don't know if you see that. Uh, there's not much water out there. There's barely even trees, let alone anything else. So Jesus is taken there for 40, 40 days to spend alone, to fast. And during this 40 days, he's going to face three tests from a, a particular being, none other than what the Bible calls Satan. Satan himself is going to show up. Satan, this being, whatever you, however you understand him or what he is, he is this. In Scripture, he's the personification of evil. He's, he, is, he is the one opposed to all things that God wants. So he shows up, and he's going to encounter Jesus. And he's going to tempt and t- test Jesus and and he knows he knows this he knows that temptations are a very tricky thing and that they are very effective it's really good it's a it's a really good tactic to tempt someone in something that they want to then give in to a particular sin and he knows he knows it's a good tactic and he knows he's really good at it because it's worked throughout time literally from the beginning in the garden he's like ah i know it'll work temptation that will work and we see adam and eve fail in temptation and now jesus is going to be tempted and tested just like they were it worked with adam and eve it worked with god's chosen people the israelites in the old testament and and they're wandering from the wilderness for 40 years this wilderness can you imagine for 40 years that was their experience and they failed the tests and the temptations that they were given and and man god's like what am i going to do with these people he literally calls them these stiff-necked people like these they're just driving me nuts right like god understands parenting he knows what it's like to have kids that are rebellious and he's like oh man and they they fail and it works with us temptations work with us so let me try it on jesus let's see if jesus can give into this temptation so matthew chapter 4 verse 1 it says this then jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil that the purpose was that he would be tempted it wasn't just, I'm going to go off and fast and, be, and spend some alone time. It's, I'm going to prepare for ministry. And that preparation involves being tempted, being tested by this, this being. So we see the first temptation that shows up. Jesus has been 40 days and he's, uh, he's hungry and tired and in, like, there's no relief even from sun and just the weather it's just it's as it's as hard a time as you can imagine and we see this jesus is tempted to distrust god's provision the first temptation is to distrust god's provision and here's what we see ready you and i we are tempted to distrust god's 
provision, that God will provide. We say this, you and I, we say this, and I think we believe it. We really believe God will provide. But when it comes down to actually trusting God will provide, ah, I got this one, Lord. I'll take care of it myself. I'll make sure I'm provided for. Or I'll stress out and worry that I don't know what's going to happen. And he's saying, you know what? I'm kind of good at providing. Yeah, I know you've done it every other time, but this might be the one. My life might be the one time where you don't. And I have a hard time trusting you. Jesus is tempted to distrust God's provision. Here it is. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, here it is. Ready? Biggest understatement ever. He was hungry. (laughs) It's like, yes. Yes, he was. Absolutely, he was hungry. 40 days and 40 nights, and he's hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, here's what I want you to do. Ready? Tell these stones to become bread. Now, listen, these temptations that we're going to see, they don't apply to us, in, not the specific temptation. You and I, we would hear this and go, that's crazy. That's not even possible. But all of these temptations for Jesus, they are temptations, ready for this, because they are possible for him. These are things he could actually do. This changes the view of the temptations when you realize this isn't just like some random thing. This is, this is the devil going directly to the heart of Jesus' ability to trust God and to not give in to his ability to, to really do these things. Jesus had the ability to say, all right, Lord, we need a little miracle here. Just a quick little loaf of bread. Just a quick bread. We got some rocks around here. You can just reconstitute these, change them, and like, re, like, uh, like change the molecular structure to make this rock now bread. All right, he could do that. This is a legitimate temptation for Jesus. I'm hungry, and literally anything around me I can turn into food. Ooh, and I'm hungry, and I could use some food. <laughs> and here's, what, here's the deal, ready? This same, this same test is the very test, listen, the first test and the very first test of all time shows up in the garden as a test over food. This isn't even a new temptation. This isn't even a new trick. The devil's like, hey, listen, it worked the first time. I got this fruit. They're told not to eat it. Hey, what did God really say? Come on, just a quick bite. And so he goes to Jesus. Hey, you need some food. Clearly you're hungry. We got some rocks. Just turn them into bread. This is the same test that the Israelites failed when they were provided manna from heaven, which is like this bread-like substance they were called. And, and you know what they did? They bickered and complained about like God providing for them. God, I know you keep giving us manna every day. Every day it's new. But I'm tired of it. Can, can you give us, there's only so many, there's, I don't know if you know, there's only so many ways you can make manna. There's manna and there's like manicotti <laughs> and like, banana bread that's it that's all you got lord i'm over it now what do we do and 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 he's like these stiff-necked people they like they i'm providing for them and they're still complaining they still can't trust me so jesus is offered the same temptation of food and here's what he says jesus answered verse four it is written man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of god he says all right I'm going to treat that. I got to, when temptations come, I got to face them with scripture. All right, let me quote scripture here, devil. Let me remind you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from God. And he quotes from a well-known book that maybe at this point we're familiar with when we hear it. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three. 
Now, the clues are going to get even closer here when we talk about the Jesus Creed as to what Jesus is doing. But he's quoting now from the book in which we find the Shema. The Shema, the, the beginning of the Jesus Creed, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. And so we see Jesus responds to this first temptation with Scripture. Great. Jesus is tempted to distrust God's ability to provide for him and instead to go do it himself. The second temptation is that he is, Jesus is tempted to distrust God's protection. Not just his provision, his ability to provide, but now his ability to protect him. He distrusts God's ability to protect him. That's the temptation to instead say, do it yourself. You and I, wouldn't you know it, are tempted to distrust God's ability to protect us, to take care of us. That, that somehow, like, I just don't trust that God really does have my best, like, he doesn't have my best in his mind. Otherwise, he wouldn't allow these things. If God really cared about me, this or that wouldn't have happened. Ooh. This temptation is to distrust God's ability to protect Jesus. So here's what we see. Verse five, then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. This would have been probably about 60 or so feet above the ground. The highest point, it says this. If you are the son of God, let me question now your identity that you, that you say you are. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. And then look at this. This is interesting. The devil here, he himself is going to quote scripture. Hey, uh, I see you're quoting scripture there, Jesus. All right. That's the name of the game, huh? I see, your, I see your verse and I raise you one. And he now quotes scripture back. Did you know that the devil actually has scripture memorized? And he uses it against him. He's going to use scripture as part of his temptation. What? Here's what it says. If if you really are the son of God throw yourself down for it is written I'll quote scripture now he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone wow the devil just quoted a promise of God hmm. that's compelling now again for us you and I go out like at the top of the temple and the cliff and jump like alright Lord here we go bring your angels and you you jump like this is not this is not advice for you to think about how you should go about temptation let me test this verse but for jesus like this is an actual temptation to be like all right yeah if i really am the son of god if i really am i have all this power and authority and and nothing can happen to me then i could jump right now and angels will come and protect me i don't have to trust in in god's ability to protect myself like I'll just do this. I don't got to wait for God's timing. And, and here's the thing too. Like every commentator will say that if Jesus had done this, this would fast forward his, his ability and his track to become like the king of the Jews. And all of a sudden he would be worshiped for this great miraculous sign. Because Could you imagine a guy jumping off of the side of the temple where everyone's looking and seeing this guy and, and angels come and catch him and just sort of gently like, oh, hey everyone. <laughs> like what? Who is this new guy? It would fast track his ministry and not be the plan that God has for him. And so he says, no, 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 I'm not gonna do this. Jesus answered him. It is also written, all right, I see your scripture and I raise you, O devil, of, of you quote scripture. Here's one more. 
He says this, Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And do you know what he quotes? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. The same chapter as the Shema, just a few verses later. Jesus is probably every morning and every evening, just as he has his entire life as a good Jewish boy who was raised in Judaism, to recite the Shema every single day, twice a day. And he's doing, no doubt, he's doing it here in the wilderness, and he's thinking about Deuteronomy chapter 6. So much so that he then quotes it. He quotes from the very chapter as a way to resist against the devil's temptations. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So Jesus is tempted to distrust God's provision as we are. Jesus is tempted to distrust God's protection as we are, but he resists those. And now he comes to the third temptation, the third and final. Jesus is tempted to distrust God's plan. And when you know it, we're tempted to just trust God's plan for our life, for, for the lives of our loved ones. And we think, I'll, I got a plan. I'll make my plan. My plans are better and easier. And, and I, can, I can direct which way I want to go instead of trusting what God has for us. And here's what we see. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Again, you, you see this and you say, that doesn't apply to me. This is not a temptation because it's not a possibility. But for Jesus, this is an actual possibility that he could, he could experience and get. All of this, I will give you, he said, if you would just bow down and worship me. Listen, Jesus, I know you want to be a king of a kingdom. Your dad talks about it, right? Daddy talks about this whole kingdom. All right, fine. I'll give it to you. There's no kingdom greater than all of the world i'll give you all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor you'll be the king all you have to do all you have to do just bend the knee just bend your just one time there's no one else even around to see it just me do this just one time and i'll give it all to you Ooh. this is a legitimate temptation for jesus that he could have done this and received it and experienced now all of the kingdoms by just simply bending the knee. Here's what we see. He responds. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. For it is written, here it is, ready? Tell me if you hear the Jesus creed at all. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he quotes Deuteronomy chapter six, verse 13. Three verses after the Shema. He's thinking about the Shema and then he realizes just a few verses later, all right, I need to quote this. I have to quote and remind him that I worship only God. Worship the Lord your God and only him. So you, Satan, get away from me. I don't want anything that you have to offer. This is the same thing, the same area that Adam and Eve failed when they gave in to temptation and they worshiped other things. This is the same temptation that, that the, the children of Israel experienced. Like literally Moses is on the mountain. He's getting the Ten Commandments. He's like having this this like literal mountaintop experience where we get the term this mountaintop experience he comes down he's like guys i got the commandments i got all this stuff I, this is incredible he told us what we're supposed to do we're supposed to the first one don't make any idol like love the lord your god and worship him don't have to make anyone any other other gods don't make any other idols and he comes home and what are they doing they made a golden calf and they're worshiping and he's going you couldn't make it an hour you couldn't wait for me to come back like not even just an hour like what are you what are you 
doing? They couldn't wait to worship someone or something else. They failed. You and I, we fail. We all have stuff we worship. This whole, like everyone has, everyone worships something. Jesus here is tempted and tested to worship the devil and in doing so would get all the kingdoms. And he says, no, no, no. And he recites from the same chapter as the Shema, the beginning of the Jesus Creed. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then it says this, and the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Jesus faced these temptations, the temptations that Adam and Eve all failed, the temptations that the children in in the Old Testament, Israel failed in the Old Testament, the temptations that you and I fail, that he, all of these areas that the devil is so good at tempting and, and effective in, Jesus withstands and he conquers and he defeats them and he resists. And he does so using scripture and he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter six. And he talks about worshiping the Lord and only the Lord. You see, Jesus, Jesus, for his ministry, he understands the focus of loving God more than all else. And, and he begins his ministry by focusing on loving God above all else, and then he ends his ministry with, all right, God, now you guys go love other people. You go do this. And, and everything in between is all, it's like peppered. It's just woven throughout the Jesus Creed, throughout all of it. The Jesus Creed was Jesus' motivation for everything he did. So here's the point. Ready? Here's the, here's the, you're going to take one thing home today. Here it is. Ready? The Jesus Creed then should be our motivation for everything we do. That this isn't just some, like, you know, some words we recite or we kind of like, okay, I got it memorized. Good. No, no, no. We take this to heart and every morning and every evening we say, remind me, Lord, yet again today, that I'm supposed to love you with all that I am and I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. And that summarizes all of this. All of this is summarized by those two things. Help me to do that today. That I can experience the goodness of God and and the growth and maturity in my faith. The Jesus Creed should be our motivation for everything we do. So your homework is the same same it's been right no new homework we're not you you work on the same project you've been working on memorize the jesus creed i think today was the first time we nailed it i'm i'm so impressed i i could i could retire and be so happy that you guys nailed it memorize the jesus creed so all of it memorize the jesus creed and then the second is to recite it. And we've talked about this, making, doing an alarm on your phone. I have one set up for me to remind myself. It goes off like, like 10 minutes after my alarm goes off in the morning. It goes off to remind myself, oh yeah, but before I even get going, before the craziness of the day starts, just really quickly remind myself and recite the Jesus Creed. Because, because we really, we really do want to take this to heart and say, this was a motivation for Jesus. This was a focus for him. This is what he says, summarizes all of the, like the God's commands is this. All right, I want to focus on this. So before we, uh, before we worship here together and then, and then take communion together, let's recite this Jesus creed one more time. Would you stand with me? And then uh, together we will again remind ourselves and and uh, and continue to think about and learn and memorize the Jesus Creed. Here it is. Ready? You say it with me. Hear, O Israel.
so good. Listen, if we were going to have something, if you were going to have something that was like you took to heart and you were going to recite, and you were going to say, this is my creed, this is the thing that I want to live my life by, Jesus says, this is it. The Jesus creed is it. To love the Lord your God with all that you are and to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, after this, we're going to take communion together. So you have the elements, you can leave them down and then, and then at the, after, after we worship here, uh, I'll come out and we'll take it together. So um, before we do that, let me pray. Will you, will you join me? So Lord, we thank you for we thank you for your word, Jesus. We thank you for your example. We thank you that, um, that even in the beginning, before you began any ministry, any public ministry at all, you were thinking about the Jesus creed, what it meant to love God and only him. And at the end of your ministry, you were thinking about how we could carry out this, this command to love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us as we focus on the Jesus Creed, as we, as we take it to heart to be people who do those two things, who love you and love others. We thank you, Lord, and we worship you now. We pray this in Jesus' name.